back to the Hot Dog Stand podcast. We are on episode four. I am Chris Wally, driver of the 51 uh, Spartan Transportations Camaro. Now I'm Brian McCann, driver of the Spartan Logistics number three. I'm Neil Quick, uh, driver of the number two Spartan Logistics uh, R&R Racewear Camaro. And I'm Brian Rick. I'm the house truck driver for Spartan Transportation and big fan of Neil Quick. <laughs> and i'm your executive producer kyle pentagraph driver of the number 14 iroc car all right chris uh mr why don't you go ahead and give us some information on uh that race we had the other night yeah so let's let's jump right into that we um you know I, last week i mentioned a, a title that we could possibly put on here tempers 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 um and i think that that showed up in, in full colors um you know looking at the race we, we're scheduled to have 150 laps uh 17 cautions and 84 laps of caution laps kind of uh didn't didn't kind of extended a little bit so we went 165 laps we had four leaders six lead changes uh, i'll tell you what troy radford qualified on the pole and he was the class of the field for a while led 88 laps won the first two stages but came up just short as chris mefford took home the win What a race, though. My goodness. Short track racing. Yeah, buddy. I'm going to tell you, I mean, old Troy put it out there and uh, really set a good pace in that race. And uh, I think a lot of us uh, were chasing him. And definitely Brandon Mefford was strong and Aaron and, and both Brian and Kevin, too. Well, my theory, my theory definitely came true. The more you have to use a brake, the more you realize who can and who cannot drive. Um, and, and it was... Uh, it was tough for a few people all night. Sometimes people were the caution. Sometimes people were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, we got a last lap or second to last lap caution that, that we'll definitely dive into and get some opinions on that towards the end of the show. All right. All right. Well, that being said, we're going to fast forward a little bit and we'll come back to the race in a little bit. But uh, we've got a special guest, Mr. Uh, Chris Ferguson. Give us one second. We'll be back with him. Bristol, baby. Absolutely. Race fans, let's leave him here one more time. Chris Ferguson, your Bristol Blue Nationals champion. The driver out of Mount Holly, North Carolina. Fergie time. Chris Ferguson is your winner in your XR Super Series Valvoline Ironman MW Transport Super Late Model Main Event. Ferguson just missed it. What's he got on his second lap? 14866. Track record, 14-8-6-6, Chris Ferguson. I mean, if that video doesn't fire you up, then you are not a race fan. How you doing, Chris Ferguson? I'm doing good, guys. How are y'all? Doing good. Glad to have you. Yes, sir. Happy to be here, man. Tell hey, us man. To, tell us about uh, – so I'm just going to read some stats from this year real quick. If if y'all don't mind, it's like uh, 30 races so far, four wins, 12 top fives, 18 top tens. Bristol Dirt Nationals winner, USA 100 winner, Eldora, Mil Eldora Million Prelim winner, and the Show Me 100 winner. <laughs> I mean, damn. Yeah, it's been a been a great season. Um, you know, 
few of them big races, we were right there and we couldn't get it done, but uh, we were able to get it done in four of the big ones. And really, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Not a ton of racing, but racing the ones that count and um, making the best of it and uh, just enjoying the ride. You know, it, it can go good and uh, can go bad just as easily. So just kind of riding it right now while it's been good. Hey, Chris, how many more races do you have on your schedule um, for the remainder of the season? Uh, I think oh, you froze. Frozen. I'm froze? Oh, you're no, good you're, now. You're, you're good. You're good okay, we're good? Yeah. Um, tr truthfully, I'm not exactly sure the exact number, but I would say roughly probably 25, roughly maybe 30. Um so you're just about halfway through up to this point. You still got a lot of racing left. Yeah, a lot of people would, would think otherwise, but I actually don't start until March normally. I skip all the speed weeks. So, you know, really, like you said, we're about halfway there. Um, there's a lot more money out there on top of, uh, you know, what we've been racing for. So we're kind of hitting our stride and, and really have some big ones coming up that I think we can, uh, you know, be in contention to win. Absolutely. You mentioned speed weeks right there. You know, some guys racing them, some guys don't. What what kind of weighs in on that? Is it, is it travel getting down there? Is it knowing that's a lot of nights in a row, a long way from home if there is trouble? Well, there's been a, you know, my our theories kind of changed over the years. Um, naturally, with as much money that's paying, that, that's been paying, everywhere's been paying this year, uh, the pay increased at all the big races, but at speed weeks, it was the same as it's been for the last 10 years. So that was one of the one things that factored into it. Uh, the other was really, I'm not prepared. I'm not prepared. I'm not really, not the team to be able to go race for three or four weeks straight. I don't have no full-time crew guys. Everybody's either family or friends or, um, you know, just kind of people that, come help us and uh in their free time and um so i'm not really set up to go do that on top of that you know i do have two cars and two motors which in my opinion they're they're two jam up pieces um but to go run speed weeks you gotta have uh equipment on equipment and i just you gotta be stacked man yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're not we're just not there and honestly you know i'm at a place in my racing career where i really don't know if i ever want to do that you know maybe i'll go drop somebody else's stuff there but to me the big races um the ones that you know that everyone's going to remember in five or ten years from now um those are the ones that i like running and i don't really remember who won at speed weeks this year but i do remember who won the million and and the uh north south and the show the same the same dude i remember but uh you know he that's that's the thing like to me, I, I'm just not quite set up to do it. Absolutely. It, it's, I got a question, kind of comment here. It's kind of interesting to hear that because a lot of the guys and, and a lot of what I do, and I know talking to Brian and uh, Rick about this a little bit and some of the other guys, in our business, we used to have a little bit of downtime after October, November, when the season would come to an end. You would have a little bit to regroup. And, and with Florida coming along, it's kind of like out on an island for itself, ahead of the schedule a little bit for most, most guys. But and and with Gateway now having the Dirt Nationals in there too, uh, some of the guys running that too. But there there really isn't much downtime for you guys at, as much as used to be. No, not at all. And it's that's something that 
you know, like you said, it's, it's only happened the last handful of years. There's Gateway, the Wild West shootout. Uh, we had driving winter races last year. Yep. Um, it's just really, I mean, if you're Jonathan Davenport, Chris Madden, Brandon Shepard, and you're happy with your race car going into the winter, it's not that big of a deal to keep racing. But if you're not one of those four or five guys, you know, the winter's time is the time to find speed. It's the time to, to go try stuff or rebuild your program. And for me, that's what worked for us. So, you know, we just, you know, that's our, that's our downtime. That's our time that we rebuild and refresh. And, and um, but like I said, there's a lot of guys that don't have to do that. So I see it, it's different for every driver. Well, and I think you hit it a second ago. I mean, Speed Weeks is Speed Weeks. I mean, it's a, it's kind of a prestigious go down there and win you an alligator, but it doesn't pay nothing. No, no it doesn't pay anything. I mean, it's you know what I you know what I compare it to is the Chili Bowl. The Chili yeah. Bowl, you you can go run, yeah. and it's a prestige thing, and you you're going to win what five thousand bucks. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's, it just doesn't make sense to go wear your stuff out for a week. Oh, you're going to go chase those $50,000 shows, you know, so well, I get it, man. I told totally you. If you're running points, it's one thing. You know, if you're running the World of Outlaws or Lucas Oil or, yeah. or whatever series, um, that makes sense to go do it. And and it does make sense that, you, you know, luckily with those weeks, they're racing at one track. So yeah. that's the only thing that really is the saving grace in it. But, you know, you're running against a crown jewel field for three weeks straight. Right. And, uh, Man, a lot of people get their butts kicked and, and they go home thinking, man, you know, what am I doing out here? But at the end of the day, also those two or three tracks they race at, they're like nothing else in the entire country. That's so you true. can't can't take what you learn down there and apply it to somewhere else. So I don't know. It's uh you know, it's it's definitely there's a place for it, but for twenty two, you know, it's not really not really makes sense for me. What's the next? Uh, I mean, you've won you've won some big purses so far this year. What's what's one you have on your on your list to uh, accomplish yet this year? I need to get a dream or a world. Um, I've been so close. I've I've ran third and uh, third, fourth, fourth, fifth, fourth, uh, seventh. I ran like top ten in basically almost every race but one or two since twenty nineteen. Uh, even the two races that were the intercontinental race and then the stream, the 2020 versions of the stream in the world, I ran fifth in both of those. And uh, just the the dream restarting seventh, I'll, I'll, you know, with 15 laps in and then the world's a whole new weekend. Those two are probably the two I have circled the most. Um, but right up there with them is the Dirt Track World Championship. Yeah. I was on the pole two years ago and, and made a bad tire call. I ran second uh, three years ago for the longest time and blew a tire late. And then last year I was in, a, I won a heat race. I was rolling off fourth at the dirt track. And unfortunately we got in an altercation with Mark Richards and, and got kicked out of the race. So mm. um, yeah, so Portsmouth's been good to me. You know, the dirt track world championship pays a hundred grand. So really those three uh on top of port royal and a few others those those are the ones but naturally winning eldora whether it's a dream or a world that's that's any dirt lake model drivers uh that's on the, the bucket list of 
of every one of them. Yep, I'm sure. I'm sure. Hey, Chris, I had a question for you. Um, you know, let's take it back to the to the beginning days. What kind of, you know, what sparked your love for racing? How did you get started? Who were the people that lined you up, gave you opportunity to uh, do what you do today? That's a, that's a great question. Um, my family's always been involved in racing in, in a certain sense. My, uh, my grandpa raced at the old school Concord when it was dirt. Metrolina Speedway, um, even Gaffney, Cherokee Speedway. Uh, but this is back whenever it was, you know, like a street stock car was almost a late model, um, you know, in the 70s and 60s. Um, and then my dad raced four cylinders. Up until a couple of years ago, he had won a bigger race than me, so he didn't let me live that down. He had 20-something years. Um, my uncle, my, my dad's brother-in-law was gene sanders his brother was doug sanders that raced around the carolinas for a long time my uncle tony which is carson ferguson carson's one of the becoming one of the big names in dirt late models now too um he he uh he won the hot rod nationals and and um drag racing pure street and uh and then i kind of grew up you know being in charlotte naturally when i was a kid i loved nascar i was a at the time, I was a Jeff Gordon fan when I didn't know any better. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I didn't like Dale Earnhardt at all. But you know, as you get older, you start to pull for him. And I, the same thing when he when he died, I cried. So you're right, uh, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and then like I grew up being from here, I was always a Freddie Smith fan. And naturally, oh. when I was 12 or 13, we were going to races. I had the yin yang shirts, couldn't help it. You know, everybody had them back then, it seemed like. And um, I had a lot of people influence us. You know, a lot of people, Jeff Smith, which is Freddie's son, when I was um, maybe 15 or 16, I'd go over there and learn, learn how to hang bodies and stuff, work on race cars. Uh, when Freddie Smith would come in town off of like running a tour, he was running Lucas Old back in 05, 06. Um, I'd go over there and uh, dad would call me and say, hey, Freddie's in town. And I'd go over there, me and my buddy would go over and wash his race car and he'd give us free t-shirts. Uh, so I had a lot of influences and for the most part, they were you know, all successful and, and really were good people to look up to. And, and, and uh, you know, always had high goals. I didn't know how I was gonna get there, but you know, I always wanted to be one of those guys. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of big names that you listed off right there. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's very cool. What was one of the first race cars you sat in? So I drove go-karts for only two or three years and really got really, really lucky to get in with the right people and skipped a lot of the learning curve. Uh, so I got into a late model when I was 15 after racing go-karts for two or three years. Didn't have my license yet, but um, yeah, I got into a crate late model, which even then it was a big step because I'd never raced nothing but a go-kart. Oh gosh, yeah. I, I remember like the first time I drove it at Carolina, dude, especially like 06 is when the cars were still kind of really hiking up on the left front. I remember thinking like when it hiked up for the first time, like I got on the gas, I was like looking at the sky and I was like, I'm never <laughs> gonna be able to drive this thing. 
And then um, I was complaining about it the entire time. And then dad had Jeff Smith drive it. And he went out there and held it wide open for five laps. And they basically told me I had to figure it out. So yeah, crate late model. And then later that year, my first year, I drove a super um, at the blue gray, which I had tunnel vision down the straightaway. So it was, those were the first two that I really, that was the first two cars that I'd ever been in, race cars. Baptism by fire out there. Man, go-kart, then right into the late models. Hey, listen to this. You guys are, I know you guys, a lot of you guys like like asphalt and everything. Um, that first year I was racing crate late models, we went and ran this race at Modoc, and there's a 15 car part beside us. And for some reason or other, I was always a fan of the sport, but Jeff Purvis was before my time. And um, Dad's like, we just parked beside one of the greatest dirt late model guys, best drivers of all time, and I never even heard of him. And uh, this is like my third month racing crate late models. I'm out there racing against Jeff Purvis. Nice. And uh, I mean, it was super cool, but I didn't know any better at the time. I was like, hell, that's just another dude. And then I, as I learned more about the history of the sport and NASCAR in general, I realized that was, I was racing in part beside a, one of the Scott Bloomquist, Billy Moyers of dirt late model racing. Absolutely. Yeah, I actually saw him. So Waycross Motor Speedway is home track for my dad and Golden Isles is right down the road. Um, so I was around dirt track racing, watching him, but got to see Jeff Purvis, unfortunately, climb the wall when it was, uh, I don't know if you've been to Waycross and when it was on the blacktop. Oh, yeah. But, uh, fast track, climbed the wall, hit a light pole down the back straightaway. I mean, about tore the car in half, but uh, it was always a big deal when, when y'all come to town and, and put on a good show. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how the sport, it doesn't matter if you're a dirt late model fan or a NASCAR fan, it, it all intertwines. Um, really, like, the legends of both sports have had some kind of uh, involvement in the other, and I, I, I also think that's, you know, part of me growing up in Charlotte, I got the kind of the best of both worlds. Well, that's kind of that's kind of an interesting fact. You being in Charlotte and being as heavy as you are in dirt, I mean, you kind of in super late model paved territory down there. I mean, you guys uh, between the cars, super late model paved series. That brings up a question: Have you ever got the opportunity or ever been asked to do a paved race? Um, there's been a few one-offs here and there. Uh, naturally. I do have some involvement with uh, Venerini. Yep. Uh, you know, I do some stuff for them when they go to the dirt races. And there's been, you know, four or five years in a row, especially after I started really winning big races. Um, they would always say, man, you know, you can, why don't, why don't we put you in a car for this? Or, and there was a time where there was one of my sponsors also sponsored an asphalt eight model. And, uh, you know, they offered me a couple opportunities to run it, but truth be told, um, after about my first or second year in super late model, that was really where my, that's where my heart was. And that's at that point, that's what I wanted to do. I, I kind of, the reason why I even went with dirt at first or not even really the reason, but we looked into going to asphalt racing and it was at the time it still to this day, it was so expensive that the only way I was going to be able to race and, and really be competitive was, was running dirt crate late model. So um there's been a few opportunities over the years but once i kind of figured out where my dream was I, I basically dedicated myself to this and and naturally you know there's been other opportunities you know running a midget or 
or street stock or, you know, over the years, a lot of them. And I, I've always kind of stayed close to the, their super late models. So let me throw this out there. Hypothetical question. We just uh, watched the Springfield uh, mile, the ARCA cars yesterday. I was yesterday. Say that. Yep. Yeah, so I, I'm calling up. This is Venturini Motorsports calling Chris Ferguson. I got a ride open for DuCoin in the dirt uh, for an ARCA car. Are you grabbing your helmet and your suit? Are you coming up? If there's not a crown jewel that weekend or a big race in dirt late models, then yeah, I will. But awesome. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call the world 100 off to go run the coin. <laughs> Absolutely, I understand that. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not I'm not like I'm, I I mean I'm definitely if I didn't have nothing else nothing else planned I would I would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Oh, I mean cool. it's a race car. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. I love yeah. racing regardless. Right. I mean, it's, well, it's just like everything. That's the best thing here and here is is how much of just a, a coming from a racing family that you are, the background you have, it fits a lot of what we all are. I mean, we've kind of grown up and really not know much outside the racetrack. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. we're always going to be like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't take us out in public. No. So, <laughs> no. so I'm going to lead this into a question, I, I, and I'm really green on this part of it. I know Brian uh, probably could probably pick up a take from here, but I'd like to know the crossover from the real world to the virtual world and, and iRacing and, and your ties into that. And, and I'm going to let Brian pick it up from there because I really don't know a lot about this part of it. So, Chris, I mean, yeah, that was one of my questions. You know, you, you drive real-life super dirt late models. You're heavily into iRacing with uh, – with uh, VLR, I mean, just tell us about that. How do you? How does it feel? You know, how do the cars? Obviously, it's different. You know, it's different. But can you take anything from the sim, put it in your dirt car, or, and vice versa? Yeah, a hundred percent. You can. I mean, you know, they got they're spending thousands of dollars in NASCAR having people run hours and hours on sim. So, right, hundred percent. There is an advantage there, and I'm lucky that. There's not a lot of other dirt late model guys that's really discovered it because I think it's an advantage for me. Um, naturally, the physics of the game aren't all the way there. It, it never will because you'll never be able to duplicate the feeling in the seat. Uh, you know, Buck Hicker does a good job trying to, but unfortunately, Buck Hicker's not 890 horsepower. And, and also, just like that sensation of blowing the tires off <laughs> whenever your car is trash, you can't really do that on uh, iRacing. But closing rate, um, getting familiar with the racetrack, uh, 100%, like, it makes a difference, you know. I'm going to get on the night as soon as I get off. Well, I'm going to put everything up in the shop. But uh, when I get home, I'm probably going to make some laps of Port. I raced Port Royal this weekend for 50000 on Saturday. Poor, poor Royals on iRacing. So I'll be honest with you guys, the uh, the big block mods race more like a dirt late model than the dirt late model guys do, do in my opinion. iRacing probably doesn't love me saying that, but that's just my opinion. I guess it doesn't matter. Everybody's got, you know, their own opinion. But I, I, I'll put in time this week on there and, and really kind of get familiar with it because I haven't been to Port since last, uh, last October. So... It is, it's, it's out of all the things I've done, and I grew up in the generation just like you guys did of gaming and, and racing and NASCAR. And I raced on Sierra NASCAR 03 and, and, uh, naturally, you know, all the NASCAR 95 and 96, 98, all that stuff, because I was a kid with a PS1. And, um, 
out of all the things I've ever done, the simulation, the iRacing simula simulations are the closest, you know, to the actual driving. And the feeling that you get, the way you have to drive on the cushion, the way you have to drive in the slick, the way you have to use your throttle when it's either tacky or slick, it, it, it's the closest by far. So there it is. You know, like I tell everybody, there's an advantage of me being able to get on there and do that. Yeah, that's awesome. I figured there was. I figured there was, and and uh, BLR man, that thing is massive. Yeah, massive. And you guys put on shows that, I mean, there's real races that don't even pay what your what your leagues are paying. Yeah, it's something. Um, you know, I'm naturally I'm never going to take credit for what Howard does, but you know, Howard Weaver's my business partner. I, I've known VLR for you know, four or five years now, but I uh, wasn't truly involved in it until February this year. And actually, you know, the last two years, I've really kind of been involved, but then I didn't really take ownership in it until earlier, until the beginning of this year. But, you know, they've, those guys, Rocky, uh, Howard, um, Calvota, KT, Tyler Burrow, uh, those are kind of the core group that really cared about sim racing and dirt sim racing when no one else did. Um, and they built this monster, uh, and it's a good monster most of the time. And it's sometimes it's a rough monster. If you seen the spring fling, uh, Howard Weaver video, that's got like 20,000 views. <laughs> so sometimes it's a good monster and sometimes it's a, yeah, it's a wild one, but, uh, man, they really just, they basically, I've known them for three or four years, but when I really seen what went on behind the scenes and people working thousands of hours without getting paid just for the good of the sport and for good, you know, just the overall world of, of sim racing, um, that's what really attracted me to it because there was a group of people that really put, you know, put their events and their series and their races before anything else and they paid out the racers, you know, that purse for the spring fling, it scared me because I like over $18,000 for one race for a single event. Um, and, and people are like, well, you know, the entry fee's high. The entry fee doesn't pay but half the purse. Right. So there's another $8,000 that has to come up from a group of volunteers. So um, long story short, you know, I knew that I wanted to be involved with it. Um, I got to know Howard. Uh, you know, Calvota, Rocky, we all had a, um, our first really true interaction was at Bristol at the Bristol Dirt Nationals last year. And everyone was saying Kyle Larson was going to win. And then we outrun him the first night. So naturally we celebrated like we had won the Daytona 500. <laughs> right. That was the year, the 2021 was the year of Kyle Larson or whatever. So, yeah. uh, 20, yeah, coming off of it. So I really got to become friends with all of them. And then the opportunity come about that I, you know, could take over joint ownership with Howard and, and, uh, and then help it grow into what, you know, like this year, the spring fling was crazy. Like, you know, I watch our racing events, just like everyone else does. I watch flow racing events on Facebook, you know, they're getting 500, 600 live viewers. And there's some of the bigger ones that get 800, the spring fling this year, we had 1200 live viewers. Um, and it was a single day race that paid 6,000 to win. 
and we did it at the dirt track in Charlotte. Actually, at the dirt track, like the we were in the tower. Um, you had your rig set up there racing. Yeah, the rig set up there. Um, me and Kevin Devin laugh about it, but he had his play seat set up there beside me, and uh, and he kicked naturally. He kicked my ass because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have a Team Zero or a 1995 GRT. If the driver can't get it done, he ain't gonna get it done. So, um, but it was something that Howard wanted DLR to grow to that point and and really keep growing. And for me to kind of help make that happen this year, that was that was cool. And then you know on the other side of things having Blake Majulis and Evan C as my business partners and CFM Esports, having basically two world champions involved. That, that's the other side of things that now I'm like, I spend too much time on there. I didn't mean <laughs> but it, it's happened to me. And I love it though. I do love it. I have a passion for it just like I do. Not quite as much as driving this thing, but it's a close second. Yeah. Those guys are incredible. I mean, Howard and, you know, Rocky, I, Hell, I hired Rocky to put him in one of my trucks, so that's a good dude. So I know I'm sure he's going to watch, so hey, Rocky, good work. <laughs> hey, but what, hey what you, listen, you know how jealous Howard is, so make sure you give, you know, he loves attention, so make sure you give Howard a shout, shout I out. I was going to say, we should probably get Howard <laughs> Weaver on here at some point because that dude could tell some stories. He is, but listen, you have to be careful because, you know, you don't want Facebook to block out your page by having someone <laughs> Like him on it, so yeah, that's good stuff. What uh, what do you guys got on? What's so what's what's on tap for VLR, man? What what do you guys what do you got going on? So you know, this week is the final week of the the uh, Schaefer's old Summer Mod Series presented by Spartan Transportation LLC. Um, naturally, every race has been stupid close. It's been awesome. I think it's six weeks. We took one week off because we did the VLR birthday bash, the 18th, 18th birthday. No, yeah, 18th, because Howard kept on telling people that VLR was legal. I'm like, dude, stop. You're already, you're already scared enough people off. But uh, So we took the one week off for that, but we have that coming up. We have the Give Back Classic, which always pays 1000 2000 to win uh, with CFM Esports. And then also... We've been talking about it. Uh, the Gobblers is an annual, I think it's maybe their sixth or seventh year, Thanksgiving weekend. The biggest street stock paying race, it pays like 2000 to win, which is amazing because, you know, street stocks, not knocking on my love street stocks, but 2000 to win street stock race. You know? A real life street stock don't pay that much. That's what I'm saying. And Signing up. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, but you know, you got guys like freaking Carl Kilgore and Keith Hackney, all the dirt street stock guy ringers. They are always the ones to beat. But we got a lot coming up, man. And and really, you know, we have a lot of we're a we're a big family to say the least. So world finals every year is, is really cool. We typically everybody's kind of like you guys. Everybody's from different parts of the country and different backgrounds, um, but we come together at Bristol, and this year at World Finals, all of our drivers slash admins, they're all going to meet up at World Finals, and I would really love to have a fall-winter race that's very similar to the Spring Fling. Um, you know, there's a Dream 100 and there's a World 100, and 
in my opinion, the spring fling is always going to be the World 100. But I would love to have another big dirt super late model I racing race that pays, you know, four or five thousand wins. So I'm not going to I'm not going to say it's coming, but I'm not going to say it's not. So uh, you heard it here. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we get something worked out to do it. Yeah, all right. Really cool. Well, let's take a quick break. Uh, we're going to hear from our presenting sponsor, Spartan Transportation. And once we come back from that, we'll go into uh, some questions for uh, our guests and uh, we'll jump to our green flag, black flag as well. So we're back in just a moment. Spartan Transportation and Spartan Logistic Management is your one source for all your shipping needs. 53-foot dry van shipments, auto transport shipments, full-service in-house brokerage, drop-lot facilities, just-in-time deliveries to all auto manufacturers, facilities in St. Louis, Missouri, Kansas City, Missouri, and Indianapolis, Indiana. Spartan Logistics, LLC, proud sponsor of the IROC series, Kyle Steffens, UMP Modified in Silver Crown Driver, and Gordy Gundaker, World of Outlaws Late Model. Visit us at spartan-logistics.net or find us on Facebook. Alrighty, and we're back from that. Thank you, Spartan Transportation, for your participation in the podcast. Uh, so we're going to get to some questions here, and I'm going to go off with the first one here. And this comes from our listener, uh, Chris Medford. Uh, when you race against Scott Bloomquist, how do you prepare yourself to race one of the best to ever wheel a dirt late model? Well, it's, you know, I mean, no disrespect to any of them guys, Hillman, JD, Chris Madden, Billy Moyer. Unfortunately, you know, as much as I do know about them, when I line up beside them, I try to treat them like every other race car driver. And that's the only way you're going to outrun them. You know, when you start thinking about those guys uh, winning the races that they have, you're already beat. So I just, uh, just another number. Um, there's some of them numbers that I definitely don't want to race clean. And there's a lot of them that I do race clean for the most part, but uh, you know, you just line up beside them and, and really, as you guys know, like lining up beside Dale Earnhardt, if you. Did we lose him? Uh, I think we lost him. Ah, here he comes back. It said, it said I went, I went AFK in discord. Oh, there we are. Yeah. We're back. Yeah, we're back. We're good. Yeah. Sorry right. about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just you line up beside him just like he's anybody else. You know, you don't you try not to think about that stuff, and uh, that's the only way you're going to beat him. All righty, um, Brian or Chris, I'll let one of y'all lead off with the next section here. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, did we have another question there? I I don't have that pulled up at the moment. If we want to grab one more question real quick. Uh, Brian, didn't you have a couple questions you wanted to ask? Did you already ask them? I asked them. I got oh. one more. Go ahead. Go ahead Neil. Hey, uh, Fergie, if there is one driver that you race harder than anybody, what is that driver and who is that? Oh, Tyler Herb. Uh, Turbo. I like Turbo. We're, we're, we're buddies. We've had our on track moments too, like at World Finals last year. Um, but you know with him, you just got to drive a little bit harder because he's going to drive harder too. Um, not, you know, not say nothing bad about it. That's that's just his style. He's a hard-nosed driver. And uh, when I line up beside him, I'm like, crap, I got to drive as hard as I can now and and not give an inch. But when I line up beside uh, Scott or Dale, 
McDowell, um, those guys, you don't really have to race like that. You know, they're, they're typically um, running their own race and per se, you don't have to change lines in front of them like you would kind of throw a slide job on you from 30 feet back. Well, I just, I had to throw that question out there because I know our, our viewer question came from Chris Mefford and he's one of the hot dogs out there and he's of all the guys I race, he's probably that guy for me. Oh, yeah. There's Go one on every race. I do have I do have one question that, that he made me think of there. If there was one driver that you could race against, third driver that you never had the opportunity, maybe a past driver, um, who would that be? Um, watching the videos and stuff from the old days, I would have probably really enjoyed racing. Um, I didn't. I got to race against him, but it was like very brief and it wasn't really the same, but I love to race Freddie Smith. Like on a slick track, like Wheatland or Eldora or someone, you know, I would love the procedure racing against him. There's probably four or five old guys that I would really, and then also one of the young guys that people kind of not, I wouldn't say forget about, but you know, there was a, you know, he had a tragic accident was uh, Dwayne Hobble. Oh yeah. Super exciting to watch, and that's one of them guys that I'd love to get into a super exciting race with. You know, that's Dwayne was the H two was was a fan favorite and uh, polarizing too. So I, I would have loved to race against him. All right, I, I've got a question here, and this comes from our Facebook uh, chat. Here it says from Brandon Medford, Turn three at Eldora. How do y'all handle the dip? I see dirt going through the hood. Yeah, that's one of them places that you, when you show up at Eldora, you know you're going to have to deal with. Uh, luckily, I've had the same cars there for the last three years, so we kind of we've, we've figured out a way around it. But there's a lot of people that struggle with it because the track will be slick, and then you hit that hole, and it completely upsets your car. You kind of have to – you can't be too hard on the gas across it because you bottom out, you shove, but you – also can't be off the gas because if you let your left rear drop, you're going to push every time you hit the hole. So Eldor is a big circle, so you don't want to push. Um, it's just one of those one of those things that luckily I have enough experience that it doesn't bother me as much as it used to. When I used to go there, like when I first started going there, and we had to run right next to the wall, and I had to drive across it going in the qualifying lap, I was like, Jesus Christ, just get me through this hole. Um Nowadays, it doesn't bother me as much as it used to. So then my own personal question is, how was it mentally setting the track record at Eldora? <laughs> so that was one of the moments where I try not to like, I try not to, um, you know, I, one thing my, my parents always, my mom and my dad, and they told me never to really, you know, I don't want to be arrogant. You know, I might choke around and stuff. Like that comment about the show me earlier, I was kidding about running JD down because JD is one of the baddest there is. But um, I try not to ever be, you know, too proud of something or too arrogant. Or, um, But that when I set the track record, I could see it on the board when I come around off of two. And that moment, I was just like, I was like, yeah. Yeah, and like I literally look at the fans going crazy and I'm like, okay. That was badass. Like this is this is one of the moments that I can kind of, you know, 
like that. You know, even though it don't matter because it paid that much. Yeah, but um, that's a big deal, man. I mean, that's, it is Eldora. Well, it's it's cool because you know Eldora is the uh, the epitome of dirt late model racing, and to be able to say I was the fastest man to ever go around there, um, that's a really cool statement. I mean, it was it's definitely cooler to say that I won the world at hundred, but it's I haven't done that yet, so I'm just gonna live and die by the track record. <laughs> so does that record still stand? It does. So what I love about Eldora is they're extremely old school and they do uh, the track records by event. So technically speaking, um, I actually beat it in 2018. Like I went faster than that 15-8 or 14-8 or whatever it was. Yeah, 14-8. Um, I went faster than that at the World in 18. And then th that was the Dream Weekend or, or whatever, vice versa or whatever it was. Uh, Shepard went out three cars later and went like a half of like two thousands quicker than me. So Shepard has it for one event and then I have it for the other. So it's pretty cool. That right. makes me think of a question. So what what was the biggest so what's what was the bigger thrill? Like Eldora setting the the track record or the speed at Bristol? How I mean does they even compare? Yeah, the speed of Bristol is the fastest that I've ever been in a, any any kind of race car ever. I mean, it's it's a whole different feeling. Like, I raced at Belleville this year, and that place was huge. We ran on the half mile, and we couldn't run but, like, 15 laps without overheating. Yeah. Um, and it, but it was more of a more of a left to right, like you're kind of hanging, you know, because you're making a big circle. Bristol was so fast that when you drive into the banking and you're running 150, uh it actually like sets you down in the seat because you're going yeah. so fast. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a whole different and then really it's not real bad. Like you don't realize how fast you're going until someone crashes. Right. Uh, someone crashed right in front of me the one night like I finished um second or third at the Bristol Dirt Nationals. They crashed on the front stretch right in front of me and I was like like all of a sudden they were there and then they weren't. And I was yeah. like Whoa. That's, that's what it looked like on TV too. I mean, you 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 see some of them guys back it in the wall or they clip, you know, I say clip, but yeah. When they stopped, those cars were destroyed. So they really showed you like how fast they were going. It's I, I seen the Mike Marler wreck. Yeah. He wrecked two of them there. And the one night I was coming from not the back, but I was around like twelfth or tenth and I, I was driving my way up there. And I was down the back stretch when he went into three, and I saw him crash. And I, there was not a, I mean, when I saw it, that was one of the moments where you're like, I let off. I'm, I'm sure the other three, four drivers around me let off because they knew how tense it was. Um, you, you're you just like, oh my God, that just happened. Like, yeah. That place was, was, uh, Bristol is, is the fast. I mean, it's, it's a whole different feeling. Like I tell everyone, you know, seeing that on TV, something else. But when you're there at the track and you walk next, walk up next to that track, and then you see them drive by, you're like, "Wow, a dirt late model is not made to go that fast." Yeah, but we are. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're gonna go ahead and get into our green flag, black flag segment here, um, and it is actually sponsored by R and R Racewear. So we're here from them real quick, and then we'll come back. R and R Racewear. Your source to all custom racewear apparel needs and home to iRacing apparel. Check it out today at rnrracewear.com. 
right, welcome to the green flag, black flag segment. And we're going to start off with our first question. Um, Brian, either either Brian, why don't you all read it off to us? Go ahead, Brian McCann. Larson versus Elliot. Okay for Larson to run into people? If that was Chastain, they would have had to call the National Guard. Uh, go ahead, Neil. I'm going to say... Uh, uh, green flag on this one. Um, I'm a fan of Ross. I, I know he's aggressive and he kind of gets tattooed as being the, the bad guy, but I'm going to say something. I watched a black and silver car do this a lot of times, uh, week in and week out. And, I mean, not the same thing happening. Uh, this guy's a superstar. I think that uh, he's pushing a lot of the drivers out there, including himself. Uh, I would have loved to see it. I, I, I think I think Elliot's upset with Kyle right now, but I'm saying that, honestly, he would have lost his mind if Chastain did it. And so so would have everybody else. Uh, and I would have liked to see Ross Pye push it, not necessarily crash Elliot, but race him hard for the win. But I'm going to say green flag. I want to see that happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna throw a green flag out there as well. Oh, he's got the flag. Oh, he, there it is. He brought the flag <laughs> out. Green flag, baby. Green flag. Yeah, you know we've talked about it on here, <laughs> Ross, with uh, with everything going on with him, whether it's his fault or not. Um, the world's gonna turn upside down if he does anything. And so, you know, if that if that's Ross uh, in that position, we're definitely getting a whole another storyline here. Yeah, I mean, Ross caught Sonya and. You're going to give it to him. Yep. Well, I don't know if you guys have seen the social media post that's out there, actually, of uh, Chase talking to Mr. H and uh, Jeff Gordon after the race. And, oh, yeah. And Chase's body language wasn't the greatest, kind of like, hey, Kyle did it to me again. I'm going to tell you guys, man, you're driving it in there for a win at the end. And I'm sure Fergie would agree with you. Uh, you're going to give it all it's got, and that's part of racing. He didn't crash you. He didn't turn you. He didn't dump you. Yep. Uh, he rubbed you, and you could have got him back. You could have got back to him and got got the job done. But whatever the case is, that's racing. I don't care if it's Ross Chastain, Kyle Larson, or Chris Ferguson. That, uh, the other thing, too, is, like, I like Ross. He's one of my buddies. Um, but, like like you said, it's for the win. It wasn't for sixth or seventh. Uh, and to be honest with you, he didn't wreck Chase out. So, I think it's a green flag too. Yeah. Did That's you hear that name name drop? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> that name drop there. <laughs> I'm green flag on it. I think Kyle Larson is probably the best, one of the best race car drivers on the planet. Dirt, you know, asphalt. That guy races to win races every time. He's not. He's not going to run mid pack. I mean, he's going. He's going out there to win. It doesn't matter if his – I heard Tony Stewart say it many times. If he lines up next to his mother, she, he would drive through his mother for that win. And that's that's the mentality of, of Kyle Larson. So, green flag, don't stop doing it. Keep running hard. I'm going to go green flag as well. Um, and Larson said it best, you know, it, that Elliott was the leader and he chose the outside line going into one. I mean, anybody I think that has the smarts would have taken the inside lane or the right side to get that corner to even even push Larson in the same position. Yeah. So I'm going green flag. 
Green flag for me as well. Yeah, um, like Neil said, I think it was Neil, you know, no wreck happened. It's this hard racing. And, you know, I like to watch hard racing, but now if I'm the driver, it might be a little different story. I may not like it so much, but I definitely like watching it. Hey, the uh, Chase Elliott fans just turned off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm a huge Chase Elliott fan. That guy, that guy is, he's got a, a, a ton of talent, but I mean, that's he didn't he did he's not thinking about that right. So. You guys got to think about this. How many different winners have there been in the Cup Series this year? Uh, what seventeen? Yeah. These these wins are they don't come by where you have. Yeah. I mean the year that Kyle Larson had last year was incredible. This new car has changed the racing completely, and anybody can win in it. Um, I mean, we saw drivers that, I mean, look at all the international talent that was there this weekend that jumped in these cars. I think you're going to see more of this uh, along with sponsorships coming to it. There's, there's a lot of things that are going to happen. Uh, so it's a different, it's a different deal than it was uh, even just a year ago. Yep. Totally. What's the next one? All right. Next one is Jonathan Davenport, Superman or super cheater. We want to rephrase that second part. Yeah, that is take it back. super cheater. <laughs> <laughs> How can a driver? It's not what we mean. <laughs> How can a driver have a year like he is having in the super competitive world of white model racing? And I, I'll, let's start with the Fergie on the the first one out of the shoot on this one. I mean, he's in there and he knows what it takes to win these races. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't know how to do them like Jamie does, but I'm uh. I can do it every once in a while, but he's uh he's just he is Superman right now. Um, as much as I would love to say that he's he's definitely figured something out as far as the car. Um, I don't, but I've watched him. I've raced with him and I've watched him, and this guy doesn't make any mistakes behind the steering wheel. So. Not only is he fast, and that's easy. That's you know easy to say that when your car is fast, you can drive a lot better. But at the same time, some guys that are all over him, you know, like Chris Madden at the Million and, and Hudson and Dale, uh, same thing at the North South with Brandon uh, in closing laps with, with lap traffic. This dude just doesn't. He's not been making mistakes, and you know sometimes. Uh, when you get on a roll, you just ride it out, and that's what he's doing right now. And I got to give him the Superman nod, even though he is a competitor. <laughs> uh, I, think, good. I think the majority of us would agree. I mean, you're going to give the guy a great flag for being Superman. I mean, he's had a hell of a year, and and uh, good for him. And and uh, hopefully, we'll be talking to Fergie uh, next year, and he's having the same type of year. Absolutely. And he's Absolutely. had a good one this year. So, so. Before we actually end the interview section here, though, um, Fergie, if you want me to call you that, <laughs> um, can you tell us where we'll, we'll be able to find uh, this weekend's race to watch you? Do you know where yeah. that might be? Yeah, it's going to be um, – uh, we're going to be at Port Royal, 50,000 to win on Saturday. Port Royal has become one of my, my favorite tracks uh, in the entire country, so – uh, twin 5,000s on Friday to set up, set you up for Saturday's heat. Um, I believe it's going to be live on Flow Racing, Map TV, uh, Flow Racing. Uh, we're excited to, to be there. Uh, you can look at our schedule at chrisferguson22.com. 
Um, also, all my social media is Chris Ferguson 22. And then if you want to support us and get a shirt, go to shopfergie22.com. And uh, we usually keep everything pretty updated. So follow along and um, hopefully see us win a couple more big ones. We'll be sure to link your uh, websites to the show notes as well so people can find you. Thank you all. Well, we appreciate you uh, sitting down for this interview with us. Uh, you're more welcome to stick around for the remaining of the show. Um, it's whatever you choose there, sir. But uh, with that, we're going to go back into the topic of our Season 5 Race for Nashville Fairgrounds. Chris, I'll let you go ahead and uh, take it from here. Yeah. Well, hey, guys. I'm going to um, put us on uh, mute. I'm not going to shut you guys off because it's pretty cool to see the shop. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and get some stuff done real quick. Y'all right, can thank turn you. me off if y'all need to. Thank you. Hey, you're thank good. Thanks a lot, Fergie. We appreciate you, buddy. Sorry, thank you. All right. I so mean, he's not wrong. That's a pretty good shot. Right? I mean, it's a <laughs> hell of a background. Not every day you see a late model just sitting there on the left. Yeah. I'm sure, sure all of us would like to walk out of the garage that way. Right? I was yeah. saying, we're all just a little bit jealous right now. That's okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. What an interview. Five, that was fun. I five grown men over here with their jaws dropped. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just wishing away. Okay, we're gonna be in our uh in our sim Chevy Camaro on Thursday ripping it. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not this Thursday. Yeah, we'll do a practice race. Damn it right. won't be for real. Hell yeah. <laughs> no, but, get uh, a day off. Right? No, we should so, do a dirt late model race Friday. Just just to see what we can do. To who we can bring in, see if Ferg can bring some of his friends and play. There you go. How about that? Yeah, but going back to last week's race, um, you know, it, it uh, we we had three races in a row starting the season off. Um, a lot of green flag laps in those, and then we found a short track. And in that short track, we had, you know, we had thirty-five guys. I mean, at the end of the day, we had thirty-five drivers, um, and, and to even though it was a rough night of cautions, the green flag runs that we did have showed to be some good racing. Um, you know, leading up to the, the last lap or the last caution, we had 23 guys in the lead lap. Which is incredible for a short track like it's that. It's crazy incredible. And then we get that, that last caution and it, it pretty much just turned into freaking Hoover Dam out of turn two and just stopped everybody in its tracks just about um and that's what ended up making a lot of guys a lap down just by eye racing and how it works right there at the end um i know for myself i started uh started 13th um can't remember exactly where i finished because we we did have a little controversy on how eye racing threw some things out there um, it put our second place driver in seventh, our sixth place driver in ninth when they weren't even involved in the accident. Um, so, you know, I made a call to go back, make sure all the guys that were not involved in the wreck, they were cleared. Um, so they got their spots froze. Uh, the next group of guys that, that got their positions were the guys that made it through the wreck without getting turned sideways, turned around, stopped, whatever it may be. Um, and then at the tail end of where those drivers got through the wreck, you know, froze the tape at that point, see where they were, but then also where, where were the rest of us that, that were involved in the wreck? Cause at some point you got to freeze it. Um, 
not everybody liked it. Um, I hated having to do it. Uh, not something we'll do again. So moving forward, you know, we, we've already put the announcement out there that, um, you know, we've, we've done a very good job at trying to be hands off on making decisions like this. And so moving forward, iRacing is going to, uh, you know, whatever the finish is, that, that, that's, that's their call on, on how it's going to be. And, and we'll just move forward with it. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, so, I can uh, go ahead. Well, you know, Cooks, he's real close with somebody that um, that was involved in that that last incident. Um, they even share the same last name. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what 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 you know? What was your outlook on it? Y'all y'all were driving real real close there. I was I was behind y'all. Um, and got collected myself in in that mayhem. But um, yeah, what was your point of view? Well, I mean, on a third green white checker. I mean, um, I know me and Cook being brothers and teammates, supposedly, or enemies in this case. <laughs> uh, and I mean, Brian dealt with it with Kevin turning him at California. I deal with it where Cook sees a caution flag instead of slowing down. Cook gasses it up. That's his chance to get five or six guys move up in the field. I mean, I mean, Cook. And he wasn't alone. Let's be honest. He wasn't alone. No, no. He drugs up fifty-one car with him too. I thought I saw that car too. Didn't he turn you during this race, or it was right there at the end? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I see, I see the spin happen in front of me. I think I'm running seventh or eighth, and and unfortunately, I think Jason. Higginbotham and Brandon, which had a great race all the way through. I raced them the whole race. And actually, all of us up there. I mean, there was Brian, there was Aaron, there was Kevin, uh, Chris Mefford. There was eight or nine of us, and, and you could throw a, basically a sheet over it, and we swapped positions depending who got bottlenecked bet- between lappers and stuff. Uh, and, I mean, you could pass on the high side. Low side was a little tough. But you just kind of swap spots back and forth. And on that caution going down to one and two, um, I think Jason got to the left rear of Brandon, which I think was checking up for Troy, and and Brandon got turned. I could see it coming, and I know after talking to Chris, Chris kind of saw it coming too. Uh, but in Cook's case, I mean, this is straight foaming at the mouth type situation. I mean, we got fresh tires on. Everybody else is on you stuff. And he was moving. I mean, it's. It, I mean, he seriously looked like Leah Pruitt, TSR, and Tom Field Dragster. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he was coming, so uh, he got to the left rear, and uh, he turned me, and at that point, I was basically sitting there having a beer with whoever was camping outside of turn two, and uh, everybody else in the meantime looked like they were going around on the outside, so uh, prompted me. I, th- I think finished anywhere from 15th to 20th, so I was waving as everybody went by. <laughs> but so when it he, comes... he doesn't see it that way, though. I mean, Cook's view on this is totally different. Well, see, what it comes down to was he heard my cry for him to win the race, and he was doing everything he could to try to win the race. I told him that. I, I talked to him, and and got to keep in mind, you got to give Cook a good two solid days after this because he's ignoring phone calls and not responding. <laughs> now, if he's got his point of view and he knows that he's right, there's going to be a video that's going to surface within five minutes, and there's going to be funny. some words that follow. Um but and, and and everybody's gonna know that. I mean, we've been there. All of us have seen this. So, 
but in this case there was no words it was basically i was wrong and and uh that ain't the way he did it but it took a couple of days and and i could say we finally actually raced or did some practicing last night and and uh he's still got a long way to go <laughs> yeah and cook and, and this is all in fun buddy we love you you know i, I told neil this last season i felt so by default because of team mccann tim <laughs> schofield got the the most improved driver because he got him a win last year got into the playoffs um my vote for the majority of last season was cook you know when you got from season three to season four and the consistency that he's shown and the speed and then and then here we are season five he's doing the same thing he, he's got speed um you know we we really enjoy having him having both of y'all and and it's been uh it's been a lot of fun yeah, I'm gonna let him spend some time in your guys' Discord this next week. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're all filled up. Yeah. 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 Three. Yeah. Three max. Three's the limit. Purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I mean, can we trade drivers from Discord to Discord? I mean, we can do that too. <laughs> who, right? who are you trading? I don't know. I mean, who's who you guys got in your Discord? Who's who's good up there? You're you're looking at him. What? Well, who's good? We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're all backmarkers almost. Yeah. <laughs> It's, no, it's all in good fun. I mean, being brothers like this and getting to spend time on iRacing and, and being part of the league, I mean, we wouldn't trade it for anything. It gives us something to talk about the next day. So uh, I really enjoy it, and it's it's fun being this way. So uh, we wouldn't trade it for the world. Absolutely, yeah. We got a, a, quite a few sets of brothers. Um, Actually, and, yeah. And hopefully here here the next few months I can bring my own on board. He's, he's currently in the Army out in – uh fort hood and uh gonna be on his way home here shortly so cody Watt, give you a shout out there buddy nice nice i got a question for brian mccann but i was i was clipping along clipping along there what i thought was a pretty good pace and then you go below and by me in the corner and i hear you shift did you shift the whole race the whole race and and it's a funny story in practice you know I, I practiced the whole time fourth gear fourth gear fourth gear and then like 20 minutes before the race starts kevin says try shifting i go out there and it made a world of difference on the uh tire wire so i was like okay and so i completely changed my setup and and learned how to shift in that 20 minutes and went out there and did the whole race that way but then we had so many cautions it never came into play so uh, it was, not a winning strategy, but it, it made a big difference. It so, made, made a ahead. huge difference. I was doing the same thing. Uh, and that's where you'd really, especially on the bottom side, you could actually get a road up off yeah. the bottom side. I so. just was not coordinated enough to, to do it. So I, I'm in discord with, with uh, Kyle and, and Chris, and I'm like, hey, Brian McKean just shifted. So we all tried it. We're over yeah. driving one-handed and we're trying to shift. I'm like... I made the car rotate better, a little bit yeah. better drive off the corner. But damn, I just couldn't. I just didn't have enough coordination to do it the whole race. I mean, I'm paddle shifting and it felt like I was on skate. Like if you missed it, <laughs> if you did it yeah. a little too late, yeah. I, for me, I felt like that thing would, would rotate and turn yeah. and I was on skate sliding yeah. up. So knowing where I was starting mid-pack somewhere, I'm like, this isn't going to be good. Like, But well, I'm... I think, go ahead, Kyle. See, see, like for me, I use the clutch. I don't use auto oblivion like that. So trying to, to clutch, 
brake and shift at oh, the same yeah. time all going into the corner there's just no way i don't mind doing it on a road course but I, I can't do it on an oval for some reason yeah but i do think if you had time to sit to practice that for a while that is the way to get around there well i mean be real honest i mean going even before our league race last thursday i ran a truck race with the other league on tuesday and I flat shifted in third and fourth and ended up winning by 3.3 seconds. And at the end, in the interview, being interviewed and talking about what was the best strategy doing it, like Brian said, it really keeps the tire wear off the right front of the truck. And, and yeah. I, we were running Nashville, the super speedway, and the trucks. And I did it. I'm going to tell you, it, feel, it felt really weird to do it in practice, but then started doing it in the race because the truck's losing RPMs and you try to do that to keep it up. And I mean, it. I look down and I'm like, you almost feel like you're cheating because nobody else is doing it. And well, I just gone. happened to hear it. And I'm like, no, cheating. Holy smokes. Well, it, See what it, Brandon Medford just said. <laughs> yeah, I was getting ready to say something about that. Oh, what do you got out there? Go ahead, uh, Brian. He says, uh, "Sounds like a new rule needs made. No more, no more shifting." Well, oh, you can make yeah. it because I could have do fun, it anyway. Have so. fun policing that. Right? Well, I mean. <laughs> He's already worried. I mean, Gateway and the trucks tomorrow. We're going to be shifting our butts off tomorrow. <laughs> they oh, both yeah. So, but yeah, yeah, it's 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 a deal. And uh, it, it's definitely fine-tuned being able to shift right at that 8,000 RPM. If you're below or above that, it, it gets pretty difficult. And, and learning how to, uh, to do the anti-stall or that type of situation where you're blipping the throttle i mean and and brian can hit him on more of that stuff he's he's really good at it you run the shifter brian or you got you run paddle on the wheel most like the bigger tracks you have to shift at i'll do the shifter but on uh the last week i switched over to paddle that makes sense i could see that would be a little easier i still wasn't coordinated i don't think it matters so we've had four races four different winners we're off this week, next week, going to Talladega. Could very easily get a fifth different winner. Um, regular season is, is 10 races long before we hit the all-star break and, and then start the playoffs. Um, I'm going to go through the schedule here uh, from, from next week on through the end of the regular season. So we got Talladega, Rockingham, Las Vegas, Lucas Oil, Martinsville, and then Daytona to, to finish out the regular season. In those... Um, you know what? How, how many repeat winners do we get right here? Just out of those races alone. Yep. Before we get to the playoffs, you know, do we do we get some repeat winners? And, and how many do y'all think we get? Well, I think I know Troy's been strong. Troy's been real strong. Yeah, I think Brandon's due for one. Um, yeah, Troy's Brandon been too. really strong. Um, but I mean, again, it's super competitive, and and uh, with the winners' penalty and stuff like that, I mean, Aaron's kind of proved and Troy proved that you could still be competitive with those. So, um, I'm not so sure once they get their second win how competitive they'll be at that point. But, um, but it it's interesting. I think you you're gonna have still some different winners. I'm not sure who's gonna be the second winner back to back. And after the second one, they lose a set of tires, correct? Correct. Yeah, oh, no, I forgot they'll, about that. They'll start the race with a EOL. They, they'll start stage three at, as the last car on the lead lap, and they're going to lose a set of tires. So yeah. 
you know, looking at the schedule there, that's going to really hurt, you know, Martinsville, Lucas Oil. It's going to kill you right there. Um, so if we get a repeat winner at Talladega next week, then you're looking at Rockingham right behind it. That's that's going to just chew the tires up. Yeah. And, um, and and it's going to be it's going to be rough. It's going to be interesting. Um, Got one thing, for you. Yeah. Any of those guys win out in the lead at Talladega, are they going to be pushing or are they going to be going for the win? They're going to be hitting the brakes. Yeah. Second's going to be the new first there. Yeah. They'll be scared to death. And then, uh, you know, leading up race six, um, Rockingham, that's our first dash for cash race. So that'd be a hundred bucks on the line for the, for the front third, the first third in points there. So see how many we got total. We got 42 drivers with points um, that, that have at least one start. So, I mean, you're looking at, at about 15 guys um, that are going to be racing for 100 bucks. Going to get interesting. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Um, something we are working on that, um, that a few people know, a few people don't. Um, we're trying to put together, put together a race, uh, with, with Ty Gibbs. He's another big eye racer. Um, so one of our, one of our members, one of our members is a, uh, is a friend of his and has some connection there and, and going to try to get it. And so we're actually looking at uh, making that a, a public race as well. So try to try to get some people involved. Um, so just kind of be on the lookout for that. Well, that'd be cool. All right. Well, we're going to get right head into our final segment. Before that, let's hear from our new sponsor, Sim Coaches. Let, Let me take a minute to tell you about my experience using Sim Coaches pedals. I myself am a current owner of the Sim Coaches P1 pedal hydraulic pedals, and I have to say they have made my racing so much better and easier and i highly highly recommend that you go and you check out these pedals and get a set for yourself as well you'll find yourself able to get into the corner deeper brake harder exceed the limits that you normally would take don't take my word for it go check them out at simcoaches.com and use our promo code to get five percent off irock at checkout or visit simcoaches.com slash irock to receive your five percent off thank you Alrighty, and for our final segment here, we're going to cover McCann's Pit Road Tips. We got for us today, bud. So next week, Super Speedway, Talladega. I want to talk about force feedback. Um, hey, guys, so, yeah, I'm getting mine out right now. Carry on. So right. you ever notice when you're going down the straightaway and you see the the line of cars and everybody's just doing this, right? Well, I have a theory. Uh, and that's force feedback. So what I do is I turn it down. That's a simple fix. Um, but I would like to go into a deeper theory that I have. I'd like to overanalyze everything if you haven't figured that out already. Um, so it, it has to do with delay. Um, and this is my theory inside the computer, the game engine, physics, whatever is running. By the time that gets to your steering wheel and into your hands, there's a delay happening. You're converting the digital signal into a analog real world signal, right? And that delay with your hand on the wheel 
by the time that force hits it, it bounces you back in the other direction. This is called basically oscillation. Um, so a quick fix is to turn that force feedback down so you don't have it, right? But some people like to have that feeling of resistance. So I haven't really done this myself, but I guess you could go into your drivers and run the dampening effect up or, or some other effect uh, to kind of smooth that force feedback out to where your wheel, you're not sitting here doing this on the straightaway. What, what do you guys think? I like the dampening. I think that, I mean, it personally helps me keep the car straighter. So I don't know. If, you know, one thing I've, I've noticed that sometimes, so when you're talking about the weave, you know, the back and forth, sometimes people say that I weave, but then I go back and look at the video and it's not, not weaving. So, I mean, but you know, you hit it with the, with the dampening. I, I like, I like to run the dampening and it helps definitely helps me. You know, I, and I'm, I'm one of those individuals you mentioned that likes to have that force feedback. Yeah. Um, I know we've spoke on a, a time or two of, you know, freaking your arms are just tired by the end of it because you like that realistic feel. Um, but I did find that one, I'm wearing out the tires, right? I'm turning so dang hard to fight it that it, it's messing messing with the, the tire wear. And then once I did bring it back down, um, you know, I started seeing some faster speeds. So I remember, man, I want to say it was season three, maybe you were out front, Talladega, and, um, and I was pinching you down real hard. I was trying to race to stay on the lead lap and I was keeping you right on the line the entire time. I remember this. Yeah. It was a lot of fun for me. I know you probably didn't enjoy it, but, uh, you talked about the the ratio that you're at that's steering like a boat and i'm sitting there thinking man how the hell is this guy getting around here i know that i'm on top of him and he's still able to wheel that thing um knowing how you know how delicate that was for you there um, but it was fast you know it was a um, it was a plus on your end it makes sense though on the, on the on the low turning down the force feedback i'm certainly going to try it I did do I your, turn it off for test. super you turn it off completely yeah oh man. really I, I did your challenge i did uh i did turn How'd the volume work? off it's hard i'm not gonna lie it was hard um but you made it around the track right we made it around the track but it wasn't very fast you know when i when i go back and look at it um it was right before it was getting ready for nashville for, for the fairgrounds there and so um maybe that wasn't the Ooh. best track to try to do it at but uh <laughs> You know, it definitely it definitely made it more challenging up front. But to your point of what you're I think you're trying to get to there, if you can figure that out without the, the feel, without the sound and you just visual, um, it'll do wonders. Yeah, I agree. Um, I ought to definitely I haven't tried the uh, force feedback setup yet. I will <clears throat> excuse me, give that a try. But um so I think that's going to wrap it up. Does Neil or Brian buy anything else they need to say to that? What do you think, Neil? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've got my own comments on it. I mean, it, it, I do something similar in a different fashion. Um, I, I mean, I like to have a little bit of feel and, and be able to feel the car uh, as you're turning it in, especially on the short tracks and, on some of the flatter tracks, not as much at Talladega or Daytona, but I'm not going to throw my 
uh, two cents into those two places. Um, I'm not a big fan of restrictor plate racing. It's a uh, the NASCAR form of demo derby for me. I mean, that that in New Hampshire. I mean, those two combined, those three combined. I mean, we could make a full season out of that. Have they dozed that place yet? <laughs> I hear it's next on the list. <laughs> I mean, we took and gave a coverage date to New Hampshire over North Wilkesboro. I mean, that person yeah. that made that decision, I hope they're still employed. But, no, I mean, I'm, you know the way I feel about New Hampshire. Put it right up there with Talladega, Daytona. I mean, it's uh, it's one of my favorites. I say, and Brian just, he, he rocks and rolls in there. I mean, just still can't. I mean, I've rated a couple weeks ago and was doing really well at it, but I still don't like it. I mean, I, I like places like IRP, which has a little bit of similar feel to it sometimes as New Hampshire or and Gateway, like I said, tomorrow night. Uh, Gateway is one of my favorites. I hear a lot of guys complain about it. I love Gateway. I love Darlington. Um, I usually like driver's tracks. Uh, New Hampshire is one. I feel like I never do each corner right the same lap. I mean, it's just hit or miss for me um getting better with it though but i mean what brian's saying makes a lot of sense on the force feedback and even if you just go in and and find a, a mile and a half track like charlotte or nashville super speedway and take the take your force feedback that you're running if you're running like a 10 or 12 on your force feedback and just bring it down to like a three or four you'll be amazed you'll look down and say i just went two tenths faster how did that happen and it makes a lot of sense to be able to do it consistently like what uh, Brian or, or Kevin or Aaron can do, that's a whole other story. Um, these guys got a lot of time and they can really pull that off. But once you get to that point, I mean, it's it makes a lot of sense. But you talk to a lot of these guys that are in, in that type of league and even these Coca-Cola guys, they'll, they'll be flat out tell you they race without crowds. They turn everything that they possibly could do in the sim down to prevent – uh slowing of the speeds of the frames and speeding everything up that they can to not have any of these uh things that slow down or cause tire wear i mean dale jr brought it up not too long ago it's one of those things that you look up and you'll see the screens are turned down some of the details of it's turned down but the racing parts there so yeah. um it's pretty interesting to see it but it's a good point and glad he brought it up tonight yeah absolutely all righty well we're gonna hear from our last sponsor and then we're going to final thoughts and wrap it up here soon so back in just one moment are you looking for the next sim rig upgrade or maybe your man cave needs a little more style or is your wife wanting to redecorate your home well we here at supreme 3d printing have you covered we create and print tons of different and useful items that is sure to fit everyone's style and budget Check us out on Etsy at etsy.com slash shop slash supreme3dprinting. If you don't see what you're needing, then feel free to contact us for your needed item. All right, and we're back for final thoughts. So we're going to start it off a little differently this time. We're going to start with Neil and work our way around. Well, I think we had a good... Uh podcast tonight it was kind of interesting to hear a lot of what fergie had to talk about and and the, the thing that really sticks out with me and, and even talking to you guys tonight is how kind of close-knit family is when it comes to racing um we all grew up with uh, families in motorsports and racing that led us down this path that we're doing and uh it, it's it's 
very evident to see his passion and what he's doing and uh, made me a fan of that tonight. And uh, just like being on here, I mean, we all race together and we all have a good time and, and we're fans of each other and, and give each other ribbons each week. So, but uh, overall, uh, I thought a very good podcast and uh, some good questions tonight. Definitely. Uh, Brian McCann. Yeah, going off of what Neil said there, um, you know, Fergie, just listening to him talk about dirt, and, and I don't know a lot about dirt, but just listening to him talk and, and describing, you know, what he feels in the real car versus, you know, iRacing, that was really neat to hear. Um, I've always wondered how real um, iRacing kind of tries to model that dirt experience, and it's, it's just neat to hear his opinion about it. Mr. Wally. Yeah, I'm going to second that, you know. Uh... I have very little dirt experience in a car. Um, definitely not a late model, but that feeling of, you know, you mash the gas, it throws your head back, it throws your ass back in the seat. You're never going to get that in the sim world. But one thing that he mentioned there is, is you know, getting familiar with the tracks, uh, understand the slick, understand the cushion, different things there. I think a lot of people that, um, that are never going to get an opportunity to be in a real world car can at least appreciate that. Hey, you know, I'm doing something that while it's not real, one of the guys that's at the top of his game right now in the real world car is, is letting us know that, Hey, this is very similar. And so it, it gives a lot of us that love racing, love competition. Um, I racing does a great job at, at giving us all an avenue to be able to do what we love, um, at an affordable cost. And, um, and we're very appreciative of that. Uh, definitely thanks to uh, to Fergie there for coming on board for the night. Um, he's he's a busy man. 30 races already this year, 30 more to go. Uh, so for him to take a little bit of time out of his schedule to, to speak with us was awesome. And Brian. So my you know my biggest takeaway on this this podcast, and I think Neil hit it was family so if you look in that guy's garage it's not a big race shop there's not five or six race cars sitting around with you know a shelf of of motors and tires this guy's got a family operation he's won i mean four or five of the biggest races in you know in in dirt late models made 150 grand plus whatever he's you know the little stuff he's won and he done that on a little family operation. That to me, that's in, that's impressive. I'm more impressed by that than I am the guy that's got uh, a shop full of race cars. So I really enjoyed him being on. Um, learned a lot. I think that uh, it gave us a little insight to to uh, to i racing and, and real racing. Yeah. So great show. And I really like Brian McCann's tips too. I'm gonna. I can't wait to go try that. <laughs> All right, and I'm going to go ahead and close this out here with my final thought. My final thought is be sure to go follow us on not only on Facebook, but we're also on uh, YouTube. We also have a website now. Uh, I, what is it? The, the hotdogstand.com. Uh, so you can find us there. You can actually find links to our YouTube videos as well. Uh, we're also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the Sim Racing Channel on any Roku device. Um 
and that's really about it for now. Uh, we'll be expanding soon to Twitter and uh, look for us actually in the near future to start coming out with more actual video content as well. Uh, I want to big, give a big shout out to uh, Spartan Transportations for donating a camera to the podcast for us to be able to record these things and give you some more uh, content as well. Mm, look at that. Spotify, baby. We're on there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who we got on next week? Next week, uh, well, we we aren't 100% sure yet because we've got to figure out recording schedule, but it's either going to be Bobby Hamilton Jr. or uh, Will Kimmel. Uh, we'll, we're working on the details on who can do the recording when, and uh, but we will have one of them, too, this coming week, and then probably the other the following week. So... Big shows right there, boy. Big show. Oh, we got more than that coming up, too. We just can't let the cat out of the bag just yet. <laughs> We're working. So, We're all right, guys. With that being said, it's been nice. It's been fun. I've enjoyed the last hour and 25 minutes with you guys. I will see you all later. This is a shakedown Order up that beat just like a steak